Well, good morning. Welcome to you on uh, opening weekend. Uh, let's pray for the deer uh, today. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, we are glad that you guys are here. Uh, glad that uh, you decided to join us and kind of hang out with us today. Uh, for those of you who are here for the very first time, you've never been here before. I know we have uh, a few of you here, uh, first time guests, so welcome to you. We want you to know that this is a safe place for you and your family or whoever you bring and whoever comes with you. Uh, so this is a safe place for you to dig in and really examine, really figure out what does it look like to follow God on a daily, relevant basis. God is not something just ethereal, some something to think about or believe in. He is somebody that wants us to live with him day by day. And uh, so that's what we get excited about here at Northridge. Um, so this past summer... Uh, Laura and I, and it's funny that she brought that up. I did not know she was going to bring up the whole beach versus the mountains thing. Um, so I won out this last summer because we went to the God's country, the mountains. Uh, right, because the whole laying on the beach thing and then this warm saying, I don't know what that was all about, you know. But anyway, so we went to the mountains this summer, and uh, I was Laura and I and our three kiddos. We have three children, Jackson, Hannah, and Tanner, and we went out and we camped in the mountains in a tent, like literally slept in a tent uh, for several days, did hiking, saw moose, bear, elk, like it was awesome. So one of the days we decided instead of going and taking a hike on a trail, on an actual trail that they've groomed and done all that stuff, you know, I suggested let's go down and just find a mountain river and let's hike along it. Let's just see where it takes us, right? This is something that I get very excited about, right? Uh, and so we're like, okay, my, my wife's like, okay, let's do that. And so here I have a picture. Yeah, this is the this is the mountain river that we chose. We drove out and we kind of, we found that, see the cliff in the background. And beyond that, there's this unbelievable mountain just behind that. You can't see it in the picture uh, because I was taking the picture and I was just trying to get it so we can keep going, right? Uh, but we get this picture and we're out there by this mountain river and we had lunch and you know, hung out on the rock. In fact, this might be where we had lunch. And then we continued on working our way down. And it was about an hour in or so. And we get to the edge of this river and we get to this really cool spot where the trees kind of over, overhanging. So we kind of have some shade because it was, it wasn't real hot, but it was kind of hot. And, uh, and there's this perfect space where it's kind of a little bit of the sand is washed up. You know, sometimes it's muddy or there's rocks or there's, you know, all kind of stuff, debris. Well, this was just kind of like a little bit of sand and some mud and dirt, but then there's a whole bunch of rocks, like the little rocks, which little rocks are great when you're next to water because you know what you can do with them, right? You can throw them in, right? And we just, the kids just like, it was like, you know, Christmas, right? And so we're like, oh, we get to throw rocks. So they all start throwing rocks in. Laura and I sit down and we're just reveling in the moment. Got a couple more pictures of the kids throwing rocks, you know, all that stuff. And they're just having a blast. And then all of a sudden, Jackson, he look, goes over and he sees this little uh, other section. There's this huge boulder. There's white water, right, going through. And the river goes through and there's this big boulder and the water comes around it on it, the rivers here. It comes around this one side and there's this like little eddy, I guess you would call it, where it kind of goes in and tries to get around the, the rock. But there's a whole bunch of barriers. There's a bunch of rocks, mud, gravel, all this stuff had built up, some trees and things, logs. And so the water was kind of swirling here and then it had to work its way back around the boulder. So it wasn't able to go where it was trying to go as it was flowing this side. 
And so Jackson, I look over and Jackson has started to move the rocks. Like he loves to, he's an engineering kind of guy. And so he's like, hey, I want to make space for this water to flow. And so he starts moving that and I kind of get involved because as a dad, I'm like, this is cool. I don't know what you're doing, but what are we doing? You know? And so we start moving rocks and we spent the next probably half an hour moving a whole bunch of rocks. By the time we were done, we had gotten that water to flow over and around those rocks to where we had created another little section of the river. It's pretty cool. I don't know if it was okay to do, but anyway, we did it, right? And so all of a sudden, there's like this foot or two high waterfall that we've created because we had removed the barrier so the water could flow through and over it. Well, the reason I start with this story is this. The only reason that water was able to flow where it was trying to go was because we had removed the barriers and specifically made space for the water to flow into, right? It was being stuck by these barriers. And so we had to move some things. We had to do something intentionally to create space, to make space for the water to flow. Well, the reason I bring this up is because today we're starting a two-part series. It's just today and next week. We're literally bookends on Thanksgiving, all right? And the series is called Making Space. Making Space. So what we're going to talk about today and next week is what do we need to make space for? We all make space for things in our lives. But what do we need to make space for? And my my contention, my point uh, is going to be very simple this week and next. That our lives, what we need to be more about than anything is to be making space for God in our lives. To make space for God in our everyday lives. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So um, in order to make space for God, we need to understand a couple of things about God. And so today I really have only one point, okay? I don't know. I've been doing only one point lately instead of like two or three. I, I don't know if you, you guys are feeling that blessing or not, but um, I am. I'm just giving that. I'm just dealing it out. But one point today, it's very simple, this point, but this point I think is so critical in order for us to understand why it's important to make space for God, how we need to make space for God, and, and why God would want us to make space for him in our lives. This point kind of encapsulates the answers to all those questions. And so the point is very simple. Let me give it to you. God is personal. God is personal. Now, in our American culture, that will either be like a warm blanket for some of us, like, oh, like you, all of a sudden you think God is personal. Oh, you think of the beach. I don't think of the beach, but you might, right? And you think, oh, God is personal. It makes me feel so. Some of you, you kind of think, well, I've, I don't know if I've ever heard that, that God is personal. And some of you would say, uh, no, God is not personal. Like God is to be respected and revered. Right, And so we might be in a lot of different places here this morning as to how we view God. For example, uh, sometimes we, we might think of God as, uh, you know, this big ethereal being, like somebody that's so big, so big that we can't understand him. Well, would that be true about God? Yeah, it's kind of true that he's huge. That he's, that he's big, right? But, but then we kind of, we miss the fact that just because he's big, that maybe he can't be also personal. Sometimes we might think about this idea of, of thinking that God is, is, is an idea. 
Have you ever had anybody tell you that? Have you had anybody ever tell you that humans created God? Have you ever heard that? I've heard that many times. I've been told that many times. Usually it's after they find out I'm a pastor, like, and then they're like, oh, let's dig in here. And all of a sudden they, they get that thing, right? And I've told you that. Like they either freak out and they're ready to run. And I, like they don't run because that'd be rude, but they want to run, right? When they find out I'm a pastor. But then some, they like lean in. They're like ready to engage. They're like the boxing gloves come out, right? And so sometimes I hear, you know, well, God is a good idea. I'm glad because, you know, it helps some people to think about God. Let me just say that flies in the face of who God is. God is not a theory. God is not an idea. Let me, let me be really clear. Humans did not create God. God created humans. Right? It's really important to understand. Because there's a lot of people that think it's the opposite way around. God created humans. And the reason he created humans is because he's personal. Because he wants to lavish, pour out his love on people. He is personal. He knows us. He knows everything about us. In fact, let me uh, give you some examples of this in, in Scripture, right? You don't want to hear me just, you know, give my theories on this. But this is what Scripture says about who God is. Psalm 139, starting with verse 13, going through 16. This is describing God to you and I. It's, it's describing who God is. It says, you talking about God, made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. That does not sound like some big ethereal thing, right? Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You have watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. Now listen to this last verse. You saw me before I was born. God knows you before you were born. Before you were even even conceived. Before anything even existed, God knows you. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. He knows everything. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So God knows us. I mean, I don't know about you, but again, this could be comforting or this could be like, oh no, <laughs> right? I mean, God knows us so much more. He knows, he knows everything there is to know about us. He knows every single part of what, he knows more about us than we are comfortable with, <laughs> Right? I mean, he knows everything about you, all the stuff that you know that you're like okay with everybody knowing, and then the stuff that you're kind of okay, and then the stuff that you don't want anybody to know. God knows every bit of that and everything in between. And by the way, he knows stuff about you that you don't even know. He does. He reveals that kind of stuff to me about me all the time. I'm like, wow, God, okay, yeah, you knew that. I didn't. God knows us better than we can even imagine. So we think of God as sometimes this big ethereal being or this idea, this theory. And God says, no, I knit you together. I made you. I know exactly who you are, who you were created to be. I know exactly everything about you. There's another thing that I think that we kind of get lost in. We sometimes think of God as this big guy in the sky right? Who is, is just a rule maker and a rule enforcer, 
right? I mean, he's the, you, watch out because God is just right there. He's like, you better follow things, right? This is how we sometimes think about it. Like he's up there just going, he's ready to pounce, right? It's, it's kind of like he's just lying in wait. He's like, don't, no, don't do it, don't do it. Oh, man, you know? That's what we sometimes think of God. It's like he's waiting to deal punishment. In fact, if we think of that, a lot of people think of this book, the Bible, God's Word, as simply two things. A rule book and a rule book that warns you not to break the rules and says what's going to happen to you if you do. Right? That's that's what a lot of people think of the Bible. Ask them about it. Start asking people about the Bible. Yeah, I mean, be ready, by the way, if you do. But ask them about the Bible. What do you think about the Bible? And 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 there's a lot of times what they're going to say is, well, it's a book of rules and it's a and it's a warning if you break those rules. That's what it is. Again, nothing can be further from the truth. What this book is, what God is, is he is personal. This book more than anything of anything that we have, this is a love story between God and us. Not a romantic, weird, sloppy kiss kind of thing. It's a love story between God who loves us more than you can imagine. The kind of love that you long for. The kind of love that's unconditional. The kind of love that you would hope that you would get from even people on earth, but we don't experience here. We get glimpses of it. And when we get glimpses of it, we see how amazing it is. And God says, that's nothing compared to my love and how much I want to lavish it upon you. He is personal. He knows every part of who we are. In fact, James 4.8 says this, come close to God and God will come close to you. Isn't that great? I mean, if God was this ethereal being, you, you understand that God doesn't need us, right? God is, he is huge. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. <laughs> That's way better than God needing us, by the way. If you think about think about that. Would you rather have God needing us or would you rather have that God doesn't need us, but he chose us above all else? He chooses us above all else. He, draw, he knows us well, but he wants us to know him well. He is personal. And he wants us to experience his joy, his peace, his grace. We just sang about his grace, didn't we? Grace like a wave that's consistent, that's powerful, and it's always there. Thank God for his grace. He wants us to experience those things. But the key is that we've got to make space for God in order to experience these things. I want you to just pause for a minute and just, just think about the person in your life that you know the best. Okay? Think about the person in your life that you know the best. This is the kind of person, I, I mean, think, think about this. This should be the person that you can probably finish some of their sentences, right? Uh, this is the kind of person that, like, if something happens, you know how he or she is going to react. Like, you just, it's, you don't have to guess. You know. This is what's, this, in fact, you can probably make the face that they're going to make when that happens, right? You can make it before they make it because you know them so well. You've probably laughed together. You've probably cried together. You know their hopes, their dreams, their fears. You know them in their worst moment and their best moment and probably their moments in between. You know them just so, you're so close to them. You know as much as there is is to know about them. Think about that person. Now I want you to ask yourself this question. 
And you don't have to throw it out loud, but ask yourself this question. Why do you know that person so well? Why do you know that person so well? Hey, we could give a lot of different answers, but one of those answers has to be this. You have made space in your life for that person. Haven't you? You have made time and money and energy and investment and emotional everything. You have poured out, you have created space in your life for that person. The only way that you know that person so well is that you have invested into that person. That person's invested into you. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? God wants to know you, which he already does, but he wants you to know him as closely, as intimately, and even more than that. Think about the person that you're closest to. God wants to be closer to you than that. And I mean so that you can hear his voices clearly, so that you can experience the peace and the joy, the laughter. Uh, yes, grieve together. Everything. God wants to be a part of all of that. He wants to be a part of all that. But we've got to make space for that. Uh, this past week, I love how God does this to me all the time. I was not prepared for this at all. Uh, but this past week, so I knew what the message was going to be about, uh, had worked out most of the stuff, knew what God wanted me to say and everything. And, uh, and so I'm tucking my daughter, Hannah in, she's eight years old. Okay. She just turned eight. And, uh, and so I'm tucking her into bed at night and, uh, and she's reading this book about animals and history and like their influence on each other. And I'm like, that is my daughter, you know, history and animals. I'm like, yes. Hannah, I'm so proud of you. Like, you know, I didn't tell her that, but that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, yeah, this is, if there's a book to read, that's the book, you know, right? Animals and history and how they affected each other. And so uh, she was reading this. And so I sat down, I was talking with her and, and she was reading this one page and, and she asked me, she said, daddy, uh, what is this word vital? And I was like, well, actually V-I-T-A-L. Okay, well, it's actually the word vital. Um, you know, she said vital. I was like, that was cute, you know? And, and, and I said, it's actually the word vital. And, uh, and she said, oh, she said, daddy, what does it mean? What does the word vital mean? And I was like, well, that's a, that's a good question. He's a dictionary, you know, here we go. And so I, I explained the best that I could. And I said, well, honey, it's, uh, it's describing something that's really, really important and, and something maybe couldn't exist without it. It's vital. Does that make sense? And she, I could see her mind turning, like she's connect, she's trying to connect the definition that I just gave to her to what she just read and, and to what she's, you know, what she knows. And I'm so proud of her. It just pff, hit me like a ton of bricks. She said, this is what she said. She said, so, so vital is like God. Like she gave me, she gave me a better definition than I had just given. And I'm the adult. She said, so vital is like, so, so God is, vi so vital is like God. And I'm going, wow, like that's deeper than I usually go. And I said, yeah, honey, that's, that's right. God is vital. And, and so I kissed her goodnight, you know, gave her a hug, kissed goodnight and everything. And I told her I loved her and, and I walked out and I'm just like, whoa, I was proud of her. Right. I was, I was just like beaming. Cause like, man, my daughter is awesome. You know? 
Um, but then I was also like, okay, God, what are you doing? And clearly he wanted to kind of infuse this into the message. And so I'm like, okay, I got to do this. So I went, I literally, I couldn't, I couldn't get it out. So I went downstairs and I'm, I start typing in. I'm like, okay, definition of vital. I, I don't know what you're doing, God. And so I pulled it up and the first two definitions that came up, I'm going, wow, I've never thought of this before. And I wanted to share you, with you the two definitions that came up when I, when I pulled up the definitions right away, when I, when I pulled them up. These are, these are the two definitions. This is the first one. Vital, absolutely necessary or important, essential. And then this is the second one that came up. Full of energy, lively. <laughs> I'm like, my daughter is way smarter than she even realizes. <laughs> if there's anything that describes God... Absolutely necessary, essential, full of energy. The, the, literally the essence of life. Literally God is life. So I think if there's anything that's lively, it would be God. He is vital. But in order for him to be vital in our lives, okay, whether we make him a priority in our lives, he's still going to be vital. But whether or not he's vital in our lives comes down to have we made space for him have we made space for him well i want to get into a little bit more practical for a minute how do we make space for god we're going to actually dive into this a lot deeper next week okay so if you want to get more of if you're kind of a practical person you're like great thanks for the theories um let's get into some meat here right tell me what i'm supposed to do we'll get into that a little bit deeper next week but today i want to get into one of the things that is really critical uh, that is truly the meat if you're going to make space for god how do you do that well one of the key things one of the main ways that you make space for god in your life is to get into this book to get into god's word Okay. In fact, let me give you an example of this out of God's word. Uh, so let me take you back. You guys remember Moses, right? right? You, you've probably seen the whole Charlton Heston movie thing, right? Okay. So Moses, I don't think Moses looked like that, by the way, you know, and I don't know if he walked around without his shirt on half the time. But anyway, I'm just saying that's the Hollywood thing. Um, but, but Moses is the guy that God calls to lead the Israelites out of the nation of Egypt to out of slavery. And he does that. And he leads them into the desert. And then there's some issues there. And so they end up wandering in the desert for 40 years. Kind of a long time, right? The entire nation of Israel. And then they finally work all the way around to where they're at the edge. They're on a, uh, on a mountain, on a high ground, and they're overlooking the promised land. They can see the land that God has promised, has set aside for the nation of Israel. Okay? This is all, you can read all this stuff in, uh, in the Bible. And so Moses is there, and, but now he's, they've taken so long, he's now at the end of his life, and so he dies. He passes away. Now his successor has to come in. It's the chosen one. It's the one who God wanted to be able to lead the nation of Israel for this next season. And so this guy's name is Joshua. Joshua. So Joshua now is the successor to Moses. He's now in charge of the nation of Israel. Now he's got a huge task, a monumental task, in fact, because now he has charge. He is the leader of probably at least a million people. We don't know exactly what the number was, but it's at least a million, probably more than that. We're talking men, women, children, babies, like probably newborns. I'm sure out of a million people, there's got to be some newborns in there, right? 
animals, possessions, like everything that you would have with a nation of people, they've got, and they're in the desert. Now Joshua has to take the next season, and this is not real easy, but he has to lead the nation of Israel into enemy territory, like where there's a whole bunch of people that want to destroy them. That's going to be exciting, right? And you're going to have to get the men, women, and children, and babies, and all that. You're going to have to get all of them into enemy territory, and you're going to have to protect them, all while also hearing from God and speaking to them on behalf of God. It's no small task, right? This is some difficult stuff. And so Joshua is here. Moses is gone. He doesn't have his mentor, his coach, his leader. He's gone. So now he's got to lean on God. And God is going to give him some good advice, as you can imagine God would do. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, this is what God says to Joshua. He says, Joshua, study this book of instruction continually. Continually. Meditate on it. Focus on it. Read it. Get into it day and night. So be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. So he says, what, 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 in, what in essence are we saying? It says the book of instruction, but it's not called the Bible yet because it's really only the first five books of the Bible. Remember, this is Joshua. The book of Joshua is right after the first five books. So it hasn't been written yet. God is talking to Joshua before the Bible's been written. Understand, the Bible hasn't even been written because it hasn't happened yet. So when he says the book of instruction, God is talking about the first five books of what we call today the Bible. And so God says, Joshua, study this book, read it, get into it. This is how I'm going to lead you. This is how I'm, you're going to get to know me. This is how you're going to learn about everything I need for you to do. Now, what I didn't tell you is on either side of this verse, there's a paragraph. Okay? This is one verse. I just ripped it right out of the Bible right there. Verse 8, right? But around this context, God is telling Joshua to do something. Okay? This is kind of his key statement, but he's telling Joshua to do something in this, in this paragraph. And three times he tells Joshua to do this. He says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Remember when we had the series when we talked about being bold, being courageous? Okay, we talked about this. He says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Joshua, be strong and courageous. Joshua, be strong and courageous. He says it three times. Three times he says it. Okay? And so I think there's a theme there. If God says it three times within a paragraph, in a few sentences, I think he wants us to get it. So he says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. But then God tells him the key on how to be strong and courageous. He says, study this Make space, make time to get into this. This is my love for you. This is my truth for you. This is how I'm going to guide you. This is how you get to know me. Get into this book. Get into God's word. Study it, meditate it, read it, memorize it. Do what you need to do. And then you will be strong and courageous. In fact, Laura, just recently, I love this. She just actually put something up on our wall. I think you saw it just a second ago. Okay, uh, we can just throw it up there. That's fine. But this is what we have on our wall in our family room. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Hangs up right, right behind the couch where we sit and hang out and do stuff as a family. That's right there. Always the reminder. I can see it from my office, in fact, which I love. 
hasn't been there very long, but we, we just put it up not that long ago. It's a great reminder. This is literally the verse right after the verse that I just read. Okay? So what this is all saying is, Joshua, study this book. Then you will be strong and courageous, and I will be with you wherever you go. Study this book, Joshua, then you will be strong and courageous, and I will be with you wherever you go. It's a promise from God to say, do this, this will happen, and I'm going to be with you. It's awesome. So let me just change the first name. People of Northridge, study this book. Get into this book. Then you'll be strong and courageous. And God promises he will be with you wherever you go. It's right here in scripture. Get into this book. This should be the most important way to know God, to learn about God, to get in and dig in with God, to find out what God wants for your life. Let me just tell you, I've said it before. I'm not going to stop saying it. So if you don't like me saying it, you're going to have to find another church. If you're never getting into this, if Sunday morning is the only time that you hear the words of God, then you are not even close to understanding who God is and knowing him. I'm just, I'm telling you the truth. You've got to get into this on a daily basis. Even I mess that up and I sometimes miss my time. So I'm not perfect. I'm not legalistic about it. Okay. And God knows my heart. And I, 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 I ask for forgiveness when I don't. But get into this book. The only time that if this is, if Sunday's the only time this opens, man, you're missing it all. I'm just telling you, get into this book. God says, I want to help you to be strong and courageous and I want to be with you, but I need you to do everything you can to make space for me and learn about me. Get into this somehow. If you're scared of it, if you don't like to read, if you don't want it, seriously, contact me. I'm going to be in Thanksgiving mode, so I'll get back to you at some point. Um, but I'll let you know. If you're curious, like, where do I start? How do I get into this? Where, where should I go? Because I have no clue what I would even do with this. I get that. I, and by the way, I get that question almost, not every week. I get it every month for sure. I get that question. How do I start? What do I do? And that's okay. It's good. I'll do my best to answer it. But we've got to make time for God. Psalm 145, 18 says, The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. And then Psalm 16, 8 says, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. God is always around us. He's something that we call omnipresent, right? God, it's a very theological word, but omnipresent simply means God is everywhere all the time. But if we want God's presence in our life, his influence upon us, we've got to create the space, just like Jackson did with the river, right? When you create the space, the water flows in. When we create the space in our lives, God flows in. When we create the space in our life, God flows in. If we don't create the space in our lives, you know what happens? He's still there. He's just not flowing in. 
We've got to make space. Got to make space for the love and the grace and the power of all this. Now, we understand this to be true. We know that this has to happen this way. Logically, it makes sense. It's just sometimes hard to attach it to God. Let me use an illustration I've used before. Uh, Laura and I, okay? Uh, happy birthday to you, dear, by the way. All right? She's working hard on her birthday. <laughs> There's a lot going on. All right? But Laura and I, I don't expect that Laura and I and our relationship is just going to be close and good without me doing something about that. Right? I mean, I cannot go home and sit and watch football every day, all day, for every hour of the day, and do whatever, you know, all that. I can't just do anything I want to do and never talk to her, never spend time with her, never make space for her, and our, our, our relationship is just going to be awesome. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to... Could I pray? I've joked about this, haven't I? You guys remember, I've joked about this. Could I pray and say, God, just make Laura and I fabulously in love, like make our relationship close, just make us awesome. Could God do it? Sure, of course he can. He has the power to do it. Uh, Will he do it? Uh, I don't think he's going to let me off that way. Because God knows and we know it doesn't work that way. God wants us to make space in our lives because why? Because he knows that's how we learn to know each other. That's how we're close. That's how we relate. God is personal. He knows you more than you even know yourself, but he wants you to know him intimately. He wants you to recognize his voice when he speaks. I've heard his voice audibly one time. All the other times it's literally been me having to discern it, having to figure it out. And it takes a lot of practice, a lot of time. And sometimes I still get it muddled up because I've got so much going on in my life. Can you relate? There's a little bit going on in our lives. We've got to make space for the things that are most important in our life. Let me uh, end with an illustration you guys may have been wondering, I've got a table sitting next to me the whole time, right? You're like, when's he going to get to that, right? Is that maybe what you're wondering? That's what I'd be wondering. <laughs> maybe that's why I'm wondering if you're wondering it. So I have this illustration. I'm going to start with uh, a couple of things, but, and, I'll, and I'll kind of explain it as we go. Uh, but I have some ping pong balls here. Lots of fun. And I'm just going to fill up this jar. Kind of see. They make a cool sound, too, by the way, when they do this. You can tell I'm a guy, don't you? You're like, yeah, you're distracted easily. Squirrel! (laughs) It's true. Come by it honestly. All right, would you say that this jar is full? All right? Some of you say would, some of you... No, okay. It's pretty full, right? Maybe not completely full. All right? Probably fill it up a little bit more. I'm going to get beads everywhere. It's going to be awesome. Ah, We're getting there. There's There's a ping pong ball. It just popped out. All right. We're pretty good. There we go. All right. Full? Pretty full, right? 
possible, right? I think we can get there a little bit more, right? I'm just all about making messes this morning. That's really what it's all about. Pretty good. Pretty full now? Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right, now let me tell you what I just did and what all this represents. The jar represents your life. My life, your life, our lives. This represents the space that you can make in your life. Now, we can fill it with whatever we want, but this represents your life, okay? The ping pong balls represent the most important things in life. These are the most important things. Not like they're somewhat important or they're necessary. I'm not even talking about the necessary things of life. I'm talking about the most important things. Certainly God would be there, right? Be the biggest ping pong ball. Okay? God, God would be the most important. Uh, people. Serving other people. That would be one of these. Okay? These, are, these, are, these are the most important things. Okay? The beads, the beads represent, in this illustration, the secondary things. These are the things that are necessary for life, but they're not the most critical, the most vital for your life. Okay? These would be things like job, your career, cars, house, clothes. In Wisconsin, clothes are fairly important, very necessary. Okay? These are, but they're secondary things. They are not, they never have been, nor will they ever be, regardless of how much we try to make them. They will never be the most important things. Ever. Okay, let me, let me, let me distinguish between this and the most important things. Okay? The most important things are the things that matter at the end of life. Secondary things don't matter at the end of life. Okay? I've never heard of anybody, and I've been with some people at the end of their their last hours, literally, nobody is saying, man, I wish I would have spent more hours at work. Man, I wish I had a couple more cars. I mean, I have two, but I wish I had four. Man, I wish I could just see my house one last time. I wish it was bigger. I wish I had a couple more houses. I wish I had a couple more vacation houses. Man, if I just had more time, I could have had another house in Florida. Secondary. Not evil, but secondary. Certainly not the most important. Because at the end of life, this is not what we're screaming for. The sand represents the little things of life. These are the things that they just fill up our life a lot. It's the little stuff. The little stuff that we sometimes worry about, we stress about, we get all uptight about, we spend a lot of time and money and energy on. Little things. Now here's, here's the problem. This is how life is supposed to be, okay? We've created space for the important things, and everything centers around the most important stuff, right? Where's the important stuff? You can't even see it, right? But it's in the middle. It's the center of everything. They're in there because the space was made for them. But here is how we tend to do life. You guys know how we tend to do life, right? What we tend to do is we tend to 
go with the little stuff first. Right? We fill up our lives, our day-to-day stuff. Like we get up, we go, we do our thing, we do our thing, we do our thing, do our thing. Get your coat, get your hat, get your gloves, get to school, get back, do your thing. Math needs to be done, spelling words, blah, 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 whatever it is, right? Get to work, make sure I get the promotion, blah, blah, blah. With a little, little, you know, all that stuff. And we fill it up, then we go job, cars, house, blah, 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 whatever. Secondary stuff is there, right? So we fill it up problem is, if we do it this way, there's no room for the important stuff anymore, guys. If I were to describe our culture, this is exact, I would take a picture of this and say, welcome to our culture. This is what we do. Every day. Little stuff secondary stuff. And we're like, well, I should read my Bible. Well, tomorrow. Well, I should do this, that, and the other. I should probably call and make amends. I should, I should really spend some time with, you know, my kids or that, that friend or that neighbor that needs it. What we do is we leave the most important stuff for last when those need to be the very first things in our life. We have to make space for God. Just like we learned the last few weeks, order matters, doesn't it? Didn't we talk about that? God has to be at the center. He has to be first. Because if he's not first, then he's somewhere else. And everything else is out of whack and out of order. Got to make sure that we have made space for the most important things in our life. And God certainly is at the top of that list, at the center of that circle. So what changes maybe do you need to make to make sure that you're making space for God in your life? Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for wanting a relationship with us. In fact, uh, God, I know you didn't, you know I didn't have this planned, but if there is anybody in here who's never given their life to you, because in order to have a relationship, you need to start a relationship. You have to start it. And so, God, if there's, if there's anybody in here, Lord, I pray, just as you, you know, you know everybody that's in here, and they know who they are. I pray if there's anybody in here who has never given their life to you, they've never accepted you, they've never chosen to follow Christ, follow you, Jesus, I pray that they would do that now. That they admit that they're a sinner, that, that you have died on the cross, that they can believe that you died on the cross and that you rose from the grave three days later, and that they would commit their life to you. God, I pray that they would do that right now. If there's anybody here that needs to do that, I pray uh, that they would just do that. Just say the words to God. This is between you and God. You do that. For any of the rest of us, if we already have a relationship with you, 
but maybe it's maybe it's really just you know we know about you we know you exist we talk to you every now and then god if if it's not a relationship that's where it, where it needs to be i pray that you would help us to make space for you in our lives not every now and then but not on the fringes but every day God, you are personal. You know us more than we know ourselves. Help us, God, to want to know you more and to get to know you more. Because that will bring in access through our relationship with you to the greatest things that have ever existed and do exist. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Stand and worship.